I won't let my active psoriatic arthritis joint symptoms define me. Emerge as you. Tremphia guselkumab is proven to significantly reduce joint pain, stiffness, and swelling in adults with active psoriatic arthritis. Some patients even reported less fatigue as assessed by survey one week prior. Results may vary. Tremphia is taken by injection six times a year after two starter doses at week zero and four. Serious allergic reactions may occur. Tremphia may increase your risk of infections and lower your ability to fight them. Before treatment, your doctor should check you for infections and tuberculosis. Tell your doctor if you have an infection or symptoms of infection including fever, sweats, chills, muscle aches, or cough. Tell your doctor if you had a vaccine or plan to. Emerge as you. Learn more about Tremphia, including important safety information, at tremphia.com or call 1-877-578-3527. See our ad in Food & Wine magazine. For patients prescribed Tremphia, cost support may be available. The longest field goal ever attempted is 76 yards. The longest field goal ever missed? Also 76 yards. Why bring this up? Because knowing your limits matters, both when you're kicking a field goal and when you gamble. Betting more than you're comfortable with is like trying a 70-yard field goal. It probably won't go well. So set a limit when you gamble and stick to it. Want more helpful tips like this? Go to KeepItFunOhio.com for games, quizzes, and lots of ways to keep your gambling from getting out of hand. Hello, everybody. Welcome to the Rotor World Football Show. I am Patrick Darty, joined by Mr. Denny Carter and Mr. Kyle Dvorak, where we are going to preview the entire Week 12 slate, not including the Thanksgiving games. Denny and I got to that a Monday slash Tuesday's episode. So if you're looking for a preview of the old Turkey Day, check out the most recent episode of this podcast. But we're going to get into the whole thing beginning on Black Friday. We got a game on Friday now. Uh, yay. Uh, the Dolphins at the Tim Boyle starting Jets and Denny and Kyle producer Adam is reminding us for the show. So we've, we've talked a lot on the pod in recent weeks, like every show I spent 45 minutes on my, have you guys heard that the lions aren't going to be the bad team in the Thanksgiving game for once? <laughs> you guys, anybody else following this? You guys heard this? Heard and you're like, uh, yeah, I mean, who cares really? Because uh, they're still a bad team in this game. The green Bay Packers who have played two straight good games actually, but Adam reminded us that Tim Boyle, the new Jets savior, who has never had a good box score going back to even high school at one time played for our Detroit lions on Thanksgiving and just how far this franchise has yeah. come and how thankful are you that now the lions are good, even though their defense is bad and they could be huge frauds. <laughs> <laughs> well, look, I think it is worth talking about because it's not like we're saying, Oh, Hey, the lions are good for the first time in 10 years. Lions are good. The lions are good for the first time in 20 years. no, we're not saying that at all. We're saying it's the fir- they're good for the first time since literally Kennedy. Okay, so look up Kennedy if you don't know who that is. I, I, so I never in my lifetime have I watched a Lions Thanksgiving game where they have been good. Right? Even the Barry Sanders Lions were terrible. Okay, were. and and it, all all of the Thanksgivings where you sit down and you know what's going to happen. There's a there's a uh, predictability about it, right? Remember, remember the time the the Patriots came in and 
and immediately like went up like 28 nothing in the first quarter uh, against Detroit. I mean, this was, these were humiliating games. There was a there was a uh, Chris Johnson Lendell White Tennessee game against the, the Lions in like 2008 where they they rushed for like 400 yards or something. Just just the most ludicrous in, like embarrassing uh, situations for the Lions on Thanksgiving. But no more, no more. It's over for the first time in our lives. In our lives, uh, just going back through some of these recent Lions starting court. I mean, yeah, David Blau. David Blau was the player you needed in showdown that week. Or not in showdown, but in the three games late. Yeah. I remember that. The Lions have been so bad so many times on Thanksgiving that they had an Adrian Peterson two-touchdown game. They had like a LeGarrette Blunt two or three-touchdown game. Because every time they show up Thanksgiving, they've been dreadful, which means a bunch of guys who you don't want to play in fantasy are going to get in the box score. It makes the most miserable DFS slates possible. Well, that's true. Even in redraft, you know, you're so excited. Like, all right, we get some there's three games today. Like, we get some early fantasy action this week. And you sit down. Like, well, I have no one in this game. Yeah, right. <laughs> never once played a player from this. I guess Calvin Johnson. No, know. no. Well, I, I kind of disagree. I know what you're saying, Pat, but I also disagree because there have been times where I have agonized over whether to play a guy against Detroit because you just know the Lions were going to lay down. It's like, it's early in the morning. Like no one really wants to be around, you know, like it's, it, you know, it's a Thanksgiving morning game. And, and so you're, you're like, oh, can I play this fringe player? Like, is he, is it possible he gets there? So that, that actually was kind of agonizing. Oh, oh and Stafford, Sta- Stafford's starting him on Thanksgiving was torturous. It was absolutely torture. He was always playing through like a sprained thumb or something. Always. Constantly his, <laughs> his, his teammates would carry him around the field throughout oh. the game. And you're just as a guy, as someone starting him fancy, please just keep carrying him. Please just get under center and keep throwing it to Calvin Johnson. <laughs> it was a game, I think, where they were literally carrying him on Thanksgiving. That's actually not an exaggeration. No, I, remember, I was going to say, was the, was was the Thanksgiving – was the Thanksgiving game the one where he like dislocated his shoulder or something and had to, oh man, that one. Please tell me Calvin Johnson versus Des Bryant was on Thanksgiving or any of these good no, games. They, they could never play the Cowboys on Thanksgiving since they both host Oh, games. duh, they have to, yeah, they have to play the other one. So what, they just play terrible games all the time? I was looking, they've won 10 games or more in my in my entire lifetime twice. Wow. That's, that, that's they've never won, they haven't won a playoff game in my lifetime. We are thankful for relevant Lions football and Thanksgiving. We really hope Jordan Love and the Packers don't screw it up. How the tables have turned as the Packers are the bad team on Thanksgiving, but they're getting better. But we digress. We move on to Friday and a monument to American commerce. The Miami Dolphins and New York Jets will square off in East Rutherford, New New Jersey, on what is known as, quote, Black Friday to try to get the Jets record out of the red as they transition from Zach Wilson to a somehow even worse aforementioned Tim Boyle. Kyle, we'll just start there. Is there any reason whatsoever to expect things to change with the Jets offense with Tim Boyle? Or will we maybe see some Trevor Simeon on Friday? (laughs) Oh, yeah, we could definitely see some Trevor Simeon. That is absolutely possible. You know what, though? I was shocked, stunned, because you were right when you pointed out. You look at Tim Boyle's box scores, even in college. So everyone knows to look at the Tim Boyle pro football reference. Everyone knows that to go see how bad it is. They forget about the sports reference. The college stats. You got to check that out too. You got to check out the whole Tim Boyle reference package when studying Tim Boyle. 
we're, you and I especially are like, oh man, the, the old Tim Boyle, like, of course, the new Tim Boyle, it's nice. Like, I do like where the direction he's gone. But if you pull up the vinyls from the 90s for Tim Boyle, <laughs> exactly. those things are. They just hit different. They hit different. They hit different. <laughs> <laughs> Producer Adam says, uh, fellow, uh, fellow NBCer Connor Rogers says, uh, it is very likely Simeon will play if Boyle struggles. Oh yeah, it's what, how, yeah, exactly. How likely do you think it is that Boyle struggles? The funniest thing about all of this, all of this, is that uh, Boyle, I think, first entered the league about five years ago, and since then he ranks seventy six in EPA per drop back. That's close to the bottom. It's like fifteen to twenty within the bottom. Zach Wilson is worse. Zach Wilson is also worse by completion percent wow. over expected. That stunned me because the point I was trying to make with Tim Boyle is that all of his box scores are dreadfully just continues to throw interceptions and offers no upside. And I think the answer to this is that he hasn't taken any sacks. He's like taken two career sacks. And one of the sort of pillars of bad quarterback play is Zach Wilson, uh, you know, shows is the constant sack taking. So I actually think the difference between the two, as you sort of alluded to, they're just different flavors of terrible. And I I test Tim Boyle's probably worse. I'm, I'm not going to say like the, the EPA test, they're close enough that pick whoever you think is worse and you might be right. I'll say Tim Boyle's worse, but I don't think it really matters. He's almost certainly going to target Garrett Wilson a ton and Brees Hall will get all the carries and some good targets. And that's about it. I think that is the only place where it matters, Kyle, is they're about equally bad. But we, we knew that Zach Wilson's level of ineptitude at least involved targeting Garrett Wilson 10 to 12 times a game. We just don't know what the baseline is even going to be with Tim Boyle. Like, is he going to be able to target Garrett Wilson 10 to 12 times a game, or is he going to be targeting Tyler Conklin a bunch? He's going to be targeting the slot a bunch. That is a big concern. With even if we think he's as bad, or maybe slightly better, slightly worse than Zach Wilson, we're like ripping up that baseline and starting over. So that's why I did plunge Garrett Wilson in the rankings this week. Uh, I feel like that's the big concern with the quarterback change, Denny. Do we have any concern about Tua on the road against this elite Jets defense? The Dolphins' home road splits are very, very uh, – I can't think of the word. Concerning. Uh, yeah, noticeable, <laughs> prov- provocative. Uh, any concern at all against the Jets' defense that finally kind of crumbled in Week 11? It's an elite defense, but when you're under so much pressure from your own offense, right. there's only so much you can do, and they crumbled against the Bills, allowed 32 points. Well, look, I, I do think that if the Dolphins can, they're just going to establish it here because the, the Jets are among the two or three most extreme run funnel defenses in the league. We saw James Cook have a, a, a decent game last week against them. Uh, they're, and they're, they're a good pass defense, so allowing the eighth lowest EPA per drop back. Um, Tua, like you said, has struggled on the road. Uh, Tua probably has a fine floor here i mean you're not like starting a waiver wire guy over him but i i I would i would be surprised if raheem mostert and whoever serves as the rb2 doesn't see a a lot of touches in this game so kyle denny kind of mentioned the dolphins backfield there what is your feel on if devin achan plays in this game or again they tried to act like it was precautionary in week 11 but it's the same knee it's the same guy who we've talked about has to be very finely calibrated to probably have success at the NFL level, do you think he'll play? If he doesn't play, is it just all Raheem Mostert? Yeah, my my bet's on him not playing, and I would think it'd be mostly Raheem Mostert. We saw it in the final two non-HN games. The backups were mostly irrelevant. They were combining for somewhere around a dozen combined touches a game, and Raheem Mostert was clearly the not even the 1A. He was a 1, and that was about it. So maybe one of them gets in the end zone, especially, dude, Tim Boyle starting opposite. You could have really right. positive games to game script to the point where Salvin Ahmed gets 12 fourth quarter carries. 
but that could also be Jeff Wilson. I believe he was healthy scratched last week, but they were using him when he was active as much, if not slightly more than Ahmed. So I don't really think there's value to be mined in the backups here. And I think we're absolutely ranking Raheem Mostert as a top 12 fantasy back again. It's, I, I think the same thing, but I will say with all this talk about hitting different, all 32 teams being active. It's like, wow, I actually have to rank good players below their <laughs> slot maybe. Or is that like, man, I'm not really sure if Rashad White's the RB three this week, <laughs> but you know, got to do it, I guess. Mm-hmm. Uh, so it is, uh, thankfully there are a lot more depth in the ranking this week, a lot more depth in the show, many games to go, but we will be right back after this. Give a fantasy sports fan on your list the Roto-World Draft Guide bundle and take advantage of our biggest Black Friday deal ever. Buy today and receive the 2024 baseball, football, and basketball draft guides for one low price. Plus, use promo code BF2023 at checkout to receive 25% off and a $10 Fanatics e-gift card. Buy today at NBCSports.com slash holiday bundle. I won't let my active psoriatic arthritis joint symptoms define me. Emerge as you. Tremphia guselkumab is proven to significantly reduce joint pain, stiffness, and swelling in adults with active psoriatic arthritis. Some patients even reported less fatigue as assessed by survey one week prior. Results may vary. Tremphia is taken by injection six times a year after two starter doses at week zero and four. Serious allergic reactions may occur. Tremphia may increase your risk of infections and lower your ability to fight them. Before treatment, your doctor should check you for infections and tuberculosis. Tell your doctor if you have an infection or symptoms of an infection, including fever, sweats, chills, muscle aches, or cough. Tell your doctor if you had a vaccine or plan to. Emerge as you. Learn more about Tremphia, including important safety information, at tremphia.com or call 1-877-578-3527. See our ad in Food & Wine magazine. For patients prescribed Tremphia, cost support may be available. The longest field goal ever attempted is 76 yards. The longest field goal ever missed? Also 76 yards. Why bring this up? Because knowing your limits matters, both when you're kicking a field goal and when you gamble. Betting more than you're comfortable with is like trying a 70-yard field goal. It probably won't go well. So set a limit when you gamble and stick to it. Want more helpful tips like this? Go to KeepItFunOhio.com for games, quizzes, and lots of ways to keep your gambling from getting out of hand. The Saints and Falcons come off by with increasingly desperate Atlanta operating as one-point home favorites thereabouts. The Lions are shifting. It's early in the week, Denny. What kind of Falcons offense are we expecting after they committed to Bijan Robinson in Week 10 but bench Taylor Heineke during the off week? Yeah, wow. I mean, and they're definitely going to go back to Heineke at some point, so it, we're just going to have to wait on that. But look, at the Falcons were the same old Falcons against the Cardinals, uh, 20% under their expected dropback rate against Arizona. So, you know, we, we know what we're getting here. Uh, <clears throat> we finally got the uh, the Bajan Robinson game. Tw- uh, so Denny goes to New York City one time and comes back with a real fancy Bijan Robinson. Uh, look, he cha- we have to wait till he has a bad game before he changes, <laughs> changes his name again. Good point. Good point. So Robinson now carried Algier 22 to 9 uh, in week 10, including getting most of the uh, inside the 10 work. I, I will say, uh, <clears throat> you know, it's none of my business, but uh, Algier had better metrics than Robinson. Oh, yeah. cut his mic. Honestly, I, this, is, <laughs> this isn't even a bit. Just cut it. Get him out of here. Uh, sorry, sorry if, if that upsets people, but uh, it's true. <laughs> uh, so Robinson, uh, 
I mean, look, his past his past game involvement is weird, right? Because he trails only Rashad White in pass routes among running. He's backs. a weapon, baby. He's a well, weapon. So yes, <clears throat> he's running and he's getting good exercise. Um, but he's only targeted. Such a hater. <laughs> <laughs> where's my god now uh he, he's only he, he's only targeted on 16 percent of his routes you know it's not great so i i he can get he could definitely get by and if that usage holds up which honestly i feel like it's a bit of a leap to say like it arthur is. smith arthur smith <laughs> susan collins would say arthur smith learned his lesson <laughs> And maybe he didn't. Maybe Arthur Smith didn't learn his lesson. Of course he didn't learn his lesson. The bye came at the worst possible time for lesson learning. It's like, no, it's the children who are wrong. (laughs) It's the children, not me. And Tyler Algier is going to, we're going to put the football team on the back of Tyler. And the Falcons are down 17 to nothing here early in the second quarter, Kyle. Uh, Did you have anything to add there, Kyle Dvorak? No, I pretty much got it. He did. I I am. Then he made the most important point. We cannot assume that usage is going to hold. I'm kind of ranking him as if it will, but that bye week, kidding aside, was really poorly timed. And now they're going back to Desmond Ritter, so why would they not just run the same kind of offense they're running before? It is very concerning. You do kind of have to hedge Bajan Robinson this week. Kyle, speaking of backfields, what is going on in the Saints' backfield? Things were getting a little weird before the bye. Alvin Kamara's usage had gotten like ever slightly so shaky or the floor had come down a little. It's not like it had crashed or anything. Anything changing in the New Orleans backfield? Yeah, I mean, even in those games, he was still dominating the carries and obviously dominating targets. Really, when you're looking at his share of the rush attempts, the only thing that had changed is the second week before thereby, we saw a ton of Taysom Hill usage. But even the week after that, that's when we got rug pulled, actually, if you remember. If we rewind the tapes, you'll see us getting rug pulled by the Taysom Hill usage. So it was still, I think, a dozen targets over his past two games and 18 carries over his past two games. So... Really no concerns for me. He's still the workhorse. The games just didn't quite allow for it. And there was some Taysom Hill sprinkled in, in specifically one game and not the other one. So I'm not concerned at all. The talent discrepancy between him and his backups is so great. And the usage completely conveyed that talent discrepancy. So no concerns really for me on Alvin Kamara. As it's like easily, you know, we talk about, I haven't done my rankings yet, so I should probably look at this, but he's got to be an RB1, right? I'm going to name like uh, 15 guys. He's got to be an RB1, right? Yeah, I know. It tell you it is tougher this week. It's gonna be weird. Down. It's gonna be weird. It was weird. I spent all morning doing it. But Denny, our never-ending national war between Rich Rebar and Chris Olave uh, kind of reached a fever pitch in week 10, where Chris Olave was immediately sparked by Jameis Winston. Six catches, 94 yards, a touchdown after struggling the whole afternoon with Derek Carr. It seems like Derek Carr is coming back against the Falcons. We don't entirely know for sure. We're recording on Tuesday. Where are we at with Reeves and Olave? And who's winning the <laughs> argument right now? Yeah, the, the war rages on. Uh, I will say, from a, 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 a game-watching standpoint, uh, Chris Olave looked way more into the game when Jameis Winston <laughs> was in there, okay? He looked like he wanted to be around, which is which is new, I think, for Chris Olave this season. Um, but, yeah, I mean, you look at Jameis's uh, average depth of target, 15 and a half. Uh, Derek Carr's this season – his eight not his eight eight and a half. So it's a it's a big difference. Though. That's despite half not of... even low either. Eight and a half is very reasonable. We'll say James it, just plays like a lunatic, and it's so fun. It's, it's so it's good. So weird. Carr takes a lot of deepest shots, at least over twenty yards, and it's just not making big plays for. Chris well, they're, they're bad though. They're all they're all bad throws, and I think Alave's just kind of sick of it. Uh, Alave in week ten against the Vikings before their bye week. 
41% air yard share, had a nice game. I, I you know, Jameis starting it makes Olave really exciting. Uh, Carr starting makes him a little less exciting, but he's still, he, you're, like you said, Pat, I mean, Derek Carr is still trying the downfield stuff. Maybe one day it'll hit. Maybe one day he tries it, it doesn't work, and then he yells at Chris Olave. And then Jameis come in and just immediately completes many passes to him. Yeah. doesn't yell at him. You can kind of see why maybe Chris Olave looked like he preferred the Jameis experience. By the way, that, that cross field pass that Jameis had against the Vikings. I was hoping someone would bring it up. So, Ooh, so just, just real quick, I, 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 the, the, for some reason, the reaction to that was, oh, what a catch. And I'm like, what? What are you talking about? What a catch. It's the greatest throw I've seen in 10 years. Uh, and, and, and everyone, oh, that's an amazing catch by Olave. What are you, what? Uh, no, no, I'm sorry, by the A.T. Perry or whatever. A.T. Perry, yeah. It was that yeah. one, A.T. Perry, yeah. Right. For like reference, the one you're talking about, right, is like a red zone pass where Jameis rolls to his left, is surveying, surveying, and throws like he's pretty close to the left sideline. Yeah. And throws across the field entirely, almost to the missile. right pylon. A missile. Like it covered – like uh, vertically, ten or fifteen air yards. I don't remember exactly. And the width of a football field is fifty-five yards, right? Is that right? Something like that. Who cares? Yeah, it doesn't covered matter. every yard of the width and got there on a line so At Perry could get it. It's like peak Jameis, and we deserve to see at least a few more. Games. Uh, I wish I don't we know could. We will, I'll but. tell you all week who has not stopped watching that throw is Brock Purdy uh, to just some unpaid ass- again. Like Brock, you've already watched it four hundred and twenty-eight <laughs> again. <laughs> and he replays it again, and he's he's just sweating profusely. Uh, I won't get any more detail than that, but uh, he's he's uh, watching it a lot. <laughs> yeah, and please he, don't. He's begun. Yes, he hasn't tri- tri- trimmed his fingernails in six weeks. Only watching. That. I'm just going to really move on. <laughs> it's the Howard Hughes uh, situation. Is the, I was going for Howard Hughes, then I was like, oh, I sound like I'm going for something else. Yeah. Like I got to bring it back to Howard Hughes. Yeah, yeah. Uh, he's Howard Hughes watching that play over and over again. We are Howard Hughes. Uh, Again, uh, moving on. No segue there. In a game that has lost nearly all purpose since Joe Burrow's season-ending injury, the Bengals host the Steelers as roughly one-point underdogs, Kyle Dvorak. Just how damaging is Burrow's absence going to be for an already struggling fantasy superstar, Jamar Chase? This feels like the end. This feels like it's about over. Like we saw banged up Joe Burrow struggle to get Jamar Chase going early in the year. And that player was still a lot better than we're going to see from Jake Browning. So you're still starting him because I still think he will be the beginning and end of this team's passing attack. But like you're still starting him in the way that you start Garrett Wilson and you go like, I'm praying for that one long one that gets him to 80 scoreless yards on six catches. It feels like the floor here has fallen to like, what's Garrett Wilson's floor? It's like two catches a week is, is the floor. So I think he's, I mean, I know for me, at least he's still a starting uh, fantasy option, but he fell from being like top three, top four at worst, really to being, he's a wide receiver too. Probably is he, mm. what do you think? Yeah, there are a lot of teams playing this week. We have 45, mm. I think teams now. I kinda, I'm not, I'm not a ranking. Yeah. I'm, I'm not a rankings bro, but I, I would struggle to, to put him above here's like, a good, here's like a good wide receiver. Devontae Adams. Devontae Adams or I have Devontae ahead of him. I do have wait, Devontae wait, ahead of him. No, no, no. I think Devontae way ahead. Yeah. Yeah, he's Easily, like four yeah. or five spots. For now, I have Jamar Chase still as like the lowest end wide receiver one. I think I'm as a wide receiver 12. Just because it's not a game environment that's going to get away from the Steelers. They could really pound the Bengals at the run and have some stuff open up in the passing game. And Jake Browning can have one assignment. 
target Jamar Chase. Target Jamar Chase, young man. And that's why I'm giving him at least one week probation in the really low end. I actually wide receiver 13, so right outside wide receiver one. But I, I don't. You're not just. You're not going to outright bench Jamar Chase. I don't think anyone no. is. No, so no, still, no. Yeah. So I still that. have him in that that wide receiver one two borderline. One week and probation. It's not over yet for Jamar Chase, Denny. Uh, it is over probably for Deontay Johnson as Kenny Pickett sinks through the crust of the earth. But I wrote that before they fired Matt Canada. What might change? Is there a chance for a revival for Deontay Johnson, who has not been PPR scamming the past two weeks? Listen, I, I have talked to my interns, and Deontay Johnson apparently is going to be in the re- regression files this week. Okay. Um, and here's why. Look. I don't think things can get any worse, especially after them firing Matt Canada. Like I, I, I really, I really think that we could see something of not a resurgence. I'm trying to avoid that word. I just said it anyway, but, but, but just something to get this offense going some middle of the field throws, which Kenny Pickett has not made at all over the past few weeks. And Deontay is, is dominant right now. 55% of the team's air yards over the past three weeks, 26% of the targets, I mean that that's that's crazy. That's the crazy opportunity. Um, you know, he did he's not doing anything with it, and they're very poor throws, and the team is establishing the run like it's 1978. But uh I, I do I do think that you can probably still star him in 12 team leagues. Probably I've got him right on that three, four borderline. Kai, I know you haven't done your rankings yet, but I have Deontay like around wide receiver 40. And that's one part of the board where you really, really notice the no bye weeks this week as a receiver is a lot deeper in like the 24 to 40 range. And there was just every guy that it was Deontay or this guy, Deontay or this guy, there was some reason to make it be this guy <laughs> and not Deontay. I have him behind Josh Downs this week. I have him behind, even though Josh Downs is playing like one leg, I have him behind Rasheed Rice, I have him behind Drake London, I have him behind Brandon yeah. Cooks and that really good commanders matchup. Yeah, yeah. I, I have him behind Demario Douglas. I, I was trying to get excited for the matchup because – the Bengals are really weak against the slot, but I looked into it strongly, guys, and Deontay Johnson doesn't run any slot rounds. You'd think so, because he plays functionally. He a is like he's, a slot receiver. He's like America's idea of a slot around. receiver. Like, he does, he does, I know. I was like, wait, I'm, no, 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 no. What is, what is going on here? Apparently, he n- never operates from the slot. Wow. Nope. They should look into that, whoever the new offensive coordinator is. Whoever not Matt Canada is should maybe look into some slot routes for Deontay Johnson over Calvin Austin. I have Jalen Warren ranked ahead of Najee in the ranks, even though the starting thing isn't really going that well. Najee keeps out touching and out snapping him. Uh, Kyle, it turns out Najee had been winning the PPR war, by the way. I know we were debating this, like who was actually scoring more points. Jalen has outscored him on the year. Najee's been outscoring him in PPR lately, though. But I think it's the week where Jalen kind of decisively moves ahead, especially a new offensive coordinator. I guess a new offensive coordinator could either one or two way. We're going to fully commit to Najee. Mm-hmm. Right, we got to try new things and we got to fully commit to Jalen Warren. What do you think is more likely? Yeah, I will say Warren, obviously with the 75 yard touchdown beat Najee last week, but he also beat him the week before that. And like you said, he's outscoring him in PPR. And I think half PPR as well, mostly because Najee's actually not been like terrible this year. Like he is a fine between the tackles grinder. He's like hovering around 30th and a lot of, a lot of the advanced metrics. The problem is the opportunity cost of benching Jalen Warren is so freaking high because he's so good. He leads the NFL in rush yards over expected. He leads in PFF's yards after contact. He's also top 10 success rate. So it's not like he's boom bust and that juices the numbers, which would still be good. He's also just consistently gaining more yards than expected versus Najee Harris. Has it turned into him being 
the starting running back in a way we care about, where he out carries Najee Harris. You would think the starter, he's on the field first, he's getting more snaps, would get more carries than the non-starter. The, the Steelers don't seem to have this concept down as no. Najee still tightly, but out carrying him every week and typically out snapping him. So he's like, it's it's a not even a 1A, 1B. I think they're a true 50-50 committee in which one of the guys is significantly more efficient than the other, Jalen Warren, and you should rank him ahead. But the fact that it's still a very clear committee means that you, like, if you gave Jalen Warren what we would call the starting role, I'd have him probably ranked as like the RB 15, 14. He's super efficient and he would be getting a ton of work. He's not getting a ton of work. I think he's probably, I mean, he's an RB2 for me because he's just that good. And Najee's on probably the 3-4 border. But the lack of a role, despite starter, not starter, game script, no game script, I don't have faith in the Steelers making the correct decision because they've had up until now to do it. I get that they fired their offensive coordinator. I don't have faith in the backup either. Maybe, uh, maybe I'm just better. But we've seen this time and time again. So I don't want to jump to a conclusion until we see it. Yeah, I have Jalen is low end RB two, Najee is mid range RB three, and this game is really just the probation bowl of the week. We, we Bengals, by the way, we don't even know if T Higgins is coming back. T Higgins could be coming back. I'm throwing another wrench into this, but we got to see how things unfold with one game with Jake Browning under center and how things unfold the Steelers and finally, finally, a new offensive coordinator. The Eagles participate in the game of the century for the second consecutive week. This time, hosting the Bills as three or four point home favorites. Denny, we already talked about this a little on Monday's show, but what do you think fantasy managers can expect going forward from the Bills' new-look offense, one now led by Mr. Joe Brady? I know you think uh, Ken Dorsey did nothing wrong. He did nothing, and we, we're taking it to the Supreme Court, folks, uh, to re- reinstate him, actually, as the offensive coordinator. We're going to look into that. Look, uh, the Bills' new offensive philosophy is literally it's called Don't Get Bored, Okay. And they're begging our beautiful boy Josh Allen not to make uh, mistakes. Got I got a bunch I, of jangly I, keys on on a on a string. They're saying, yeah. "Look, Khalil Shakir, ring a ling a ling." And Josh is like, "I like that. <laughs> don't don't do anything dumb." And I, I, you know, just from a football standpoint, I think this is a mistake. And I, I, I think that this team is just desperately trying not to lose, and that doesn't work. Um, so good luck to the Bills. They're going to need it. Uh, first game under their new offensive coordinators, uh, he had Josh Allen had a 6.8 A dot. That's way under his 8.5 A dot on the season. Only 9% of his throws went 20 yards in the air. That's three of 32 attempts went 20 plus yards in the air. Um, you know, they're still, they're still pass heavy, but, uh, also, uh, Josh Allen is only averaging two design rushes per game this year. And I, you know, that, that stinks for fantasy as well. So I, I, I do think like that massive ceiling has kind of been lopped off of Josh Allen with this don't mess up or whatever it is. Don't, don't get bored approach. Which at least when they, they do the don't get bored of Josh Allen, he still makes some big plays. They did it with Zach Wilson and our man's got benched. Yes. Right. That, no, no, that that's a good point. Like, like, okay, Zach Wilson is not throwing a lot of interceptions, but that just means that he's not trying passes that can actually move the ball yes. down field. As you may have yeah, yep. I've tweeted about this show this week. Like, I thought it was even more concerning. He has only three touchdowns, excuse me, four touchdowns since week two. He had only three picks. Yeah. You, you got to let the man, like, throw the ball a little right, bit. Like, right. I know it's Zach Wilson, but let him throw a little bit. Uh, Kyle Denny got in this a little bit talking about the Bills' new look offense, but – is it no longer Jover for James Cook? Tied his season high with 17 carries 
in week 11. This is a game they totally dominated and controlled, of course. But he reproved his worth in that crazy week 10 Monday night game. Came out, had another good game in week 11. Have we survived, like, the James Cook scare, maybe? <laughs> yeah, I mean, you sort of pointed out something that I think underlies or underscores the high rushing volumes. They dominated that game. They had a negative 6% pass rate over expected. They were extremely run heavy. I think that's mostly because the opponents, the the Jets in this game were like, they don't care. They're not going to put up any points. We can run, we can pass, we can punt. Let's get a few points on the board. Our opponents doesn't have have a chance once we get to like 17 or something like that. So you, I, I don't really blame teams for going run heavy, even over expectation when they play opponents that do not do anything on offense. But with that being said, that makes his raw stats look really good. But it was his second lowest snap share of the season, his third lowest carry share, and his third lowest route rate. The, the snaps delete, and delete, the carry. <laughs> the, the snaps and the carries don't concern me as much because they had a final drive or so that was like Ty Johnson carries and a few kneel downs, which gets lopped in with carries. So I'm not concerned as much about that. They weren't passing on those drives, so the route rate, which was his third lowest of the season, that's true. That is not obscured by garbage time in almost any way. He still isn't running routes. So, I mean, he's still running basically the same number of routes as Latavius Murray. So, I mean, if they run the ball more, but I don't think they'll run the ball more in this game, not like they did last week, I think he's still a committee guy. I I mean, we'll have to see what they do in a game that looks normal, but the underlying metrics last week showed no difference between who he had been. It was purely raw volume, which was good, but also is possibly less sustainable. Kyle, we got asked about this on Monday evening in our waivers chat. Are, are we cutting bait on Leonard Fournette in 12 teams? Of course. Eight? Of course. <laughs> one more week. Just one more week. <laughs> Man, I, I, I do. I'm praying for and I'm thinking of the best ball bros at this time. Uh, we'll take them. Thank you. We'll take your prayers. Either of you have anything to say about the Eagles? They're basically the most stable, predictable team in fantasy. We finally got a down game for A.J. Brown. We kind of unsurprisingly got an up game for Devontae Smith with Dallas Goddard out with his arm. <clears throat> yeah, Dallas Goddard, I don't know, maybe could play this week. They're acting like he might come back. But anything at all to say about this super stable, predictable Eagles offense? They're, they're gaslighting us so hard on, on Dallas Goddard. The guy, like, snapped his arm in half on the field two weeks ago, and they're like, no, no, he's, he's actually fine. He's better than ever. <laughs> and he'll be back soon. He's not – he's just not playing – like, if you have Goddard – you, you cannot plan having him going forward for a while. Um, yeah, it, finally a down game for A.J. Brown. Uh, but uh, DeAndre Swift continues to dominate that backfield and and kind of get unlucky. I mean, he's running cold. He's running real cold in the red zone. So uh, you, you're obviously starting him. But, wow, his, his role is really, really appealing. Do the Eagles players know to go down to one yard line? Because Devonta Smith went I down know. to one yard line. That's We've right. seen, I think, A.J. Brown do it before. Every single one God. of these guys goes down to one yard it's line. It's true. I, that was very upsetting for me in a couple like, of weeks. If, if they go down at the three, four, or five, that's a spot where like you obviously are not push-pushing from there. Maybe DeAndre mm-hmm. Swift is in and gets a carry from the three or four. He's very good. Has a good chance at punching it in. But every single one of their plays that ends within the five does not end at the five, four, three, or two. They always nope. end at the one. Did anybody else spend part of this uh, game looking up Kyle Gibson's advanced metrics from last year? I got really distracted. I was arguing. <laughs> no, I played him in DFS once and he got shelled. I don't need the advanced metrics. <laughs> uh, Cardinals, please sign someone legit. Uh, podcast, we'll be back with more legit games right after this. Your final helping of NFL football on Thanksgiving night is a battle of NFC West foes as Christian McCaffrey and the 49ers travel to Seattle to face the Seahawks. Plus the holiday weekend wraps on Sunday evening in a star-studded matchup when Lamar Jackson and the Ravens 
based Justin Herbert in the Chargers in Los Angeles, California. And don't forget, find all your favorite NBC Sports shows on Amazon Music. Just head to Amazon.com slash NBC Sports. Escape to Ocean City, Maryland, and discover a place that just feels lighter, where every day feels like Saturday and French fries are a food group, where flip-flops are always in fashion and seafood is always in season, where the boardwalk is bustling and the beach is right outside your door, where you can rise with the tide and feel like a kid again. Ocean City, Maryland, somewhere to smile about. Book your trip at Oceocean.com. At Delta, we know Mike in 8C prefers reality TV to reality. So we provide more than 1,000 hours of in-flight entertainment. On the next flight, 8C is Mandy, a foodie. So we offer all types of food options. Because at Delta, everyone flies their own way. Delta, keep climbing. Yeah, I tried to never get distracted during his podcast. People keep texting me about Kyle Gibson, though. I'm like, first off, I'm podcasting. Second off, you're wrong. Third. Uh... <laughs> Wait, what are they wrong about? I didn't uh, nothing. They're right. It's November. <laughs> it's November. Come on, man. You, you got you to gotta log off the baseball. Yeah, they're right. I've also I've, I've shut off the messaging. We're, we're, on to, we're on to Arizona. The Rams and Cardinals meet up in the desert for what is shaping up as a pick em between two difficult-to-peg teams, Denny. Have we seen enough to declare Kyler Murray in every week QB1 moving forward? Or was it like this week, we got 32 teams playing. I was having trouble getting him in the top 12, I must admit. Right, right. Yeah, no, I mean, on the bye weeks, yeah, it's it's kind of a slam dunk. Um, I, I think so. Uh, you know, the Cardinals ended up with only 16 points against Houston, and I, I covered that game, and – I, you would have you would have guessed well that this team definitely scored thirty points like thirty plus points because they moved the ball pretty well until the red zone and then Kyler made mistakes other people made mistakes so it really limited them it really hurt hurt their uh, their their point total obviously but Ky- yeah Kyler I think I think is a wide uh, not wide receiver one QB one uh, he has seven design rushes over his two starts fourteen total rushes in those two games. The Cardinals have been at zero percent dropback rate over expected. So, yeah, you know, neither run nor pass heavy. I will. I will say just from a from an offensive standpoint for Arizona, Kyler's rushing is sort of dinging the target volume for a guy like McBride and and um, James Conner, for instance, and also James Conner's losing out to Tony Jones for pass catching. Work. So, it, it, this offense, I think is a little hard to figure out at the moment, but Kyler should be should be good floor-wise. So the floor is very strong for Kyler. The ceiling could maybe prove to be a bit elusive, but yeah, right. he's really, really good in like that QB 11 to 16 range mm-hmm. right now, and maybe some room to grow. Kyle, I asked Denny about the Rams offense without Cooper Cup on Monday's podcast. How do you see things unfolding this time around? He hasn't been declared out yet for Week 12, Cooper Cup. Certainly it seems like it's trending that way. Is he the same thing? Great for him playing, right? That's what yeah. we'd say. Same thing at Puka dominates. Tutu Atwell actually produces. Tyler Higby occasionally catches a ball and falls down. Or has this offense changed since the first time Cooper Cup was injured? It's just not good right now. Kyron Williams well, was wasn't back. great before he before no, Cooper Cup. It was better though. It was better. Yeah. What do yeah, you think? I, I would I'd imagine the it was better before Cooper Cup is probably noise. Cooper Cup is very good and would help an offense. Uh, my projection is that it stays extremely similar. Like you said, Puka dominating, hit a 32% target share and 34% of the air yards. Like 
Devonte Adams level numbers when we didn't have Cooper Cup in the lineup. Like you said, Tutu absolutely back to life. A twenty three percent target share, fourteen PPR points per game. He was a week in week out wide receiver too, and I'm still projecting that. I mean, they have lost talent at receiver. Talent being sort of a loose term, but they traded away Van Jefferson. They have lost players to throw to that aren't these two guys. So maybe this is probably most beneficial for the ancillary pieces, Tyler Higby and Tutu Atwell, because they can move to the forefront. Specifically Atwell, but I think Tyler Higby goes from being entirely unplayable in the cup iteration of this offense to still probably tight end two, but I, he was hardly even a tight end two with cup out there. So that's probably the biggest change him and Tutu. Depends what we see with Kyron Williams as well. I believe he's expected to play, but at least keep it locked in a road work well. It's been pretty joverish for Tyler Higby. And yeah, Denny, Sean McVay basically keeps guaranteeing Kyron Williams is going to return. It is early in the week. Sean McVay is kind of one of those coaches who says a lot of things, but it does seem like he'll be back. Will he immediately be a safe RB2? He was producing as like an RB1 almost before he went down. But now they have a, a much deeper backfield than they did before he went down. Darrell Henderson's been fine. Royce Freeman's been fine. But, or do you think we can get Kyron immediately back into the top 24? I, I think top 24 is pretty safe for Kyron. Be, just because, man, uh, it was bleak. It was bleak looking into the metrics of uh, Royce Freeman and uh, Daryl Henderson. So yeah, I, when I said they were fine, I just meant they were taking touches. They were not horrible in normal box scores. The advanced metrics uh, were uh, really bad stuff. Like <laughs> So I, I do think Kyron just comes in probably – could, you know, could depending on game script, could see 20 touches in, in this game. Uh, the, the Rams, by the way, run heavy of late. Uh, here, here, here are some for the class. I'm going to read you their recent drop back over expected numbers minus three percent against the Cardinals in week six, negative eight percent against the Steelers in week seven. Uh, week eight, they were one percent over, eight percent under against the Packers in week nine, and then 12 percent under against the Seahawks this, this most recent week. I, they're 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 trying to hide Matthew Stafford because he is so so bad this year, terminal decline as you said, Pat. Uh, that, that that should be good for uh, Kyron Williams. <laughs> Matthew Stafford's terminal decline should be good. Come on, man, I have a heart. It's good for Kyron Williams. <laughs> I mean, I I didn't trademark it. I didn't get the T-shirt made. <laughs> Wait, listen, listen. We we didn't get those printed. Actually, we were just <laughs> getting a, we were just getting a price quoted. Oh, you were just texting me. <laughs> yeah, we were just getting a price quoted. And no, and you just sent it to your tattoo artist. He didn't actually put it on you yet. Oh, I see. And what did is in my Monday article, I said that his play has been in terminal decline. It certainly looks that way because it was looking that way down the stretch last year before he got hurt. It was looking that way in 2021 when they won the Super Bowl. Remember, they went super mega run heavy at the end of 2021 as Kyle might say. Yeah. yeah. They've been hiding Stafford for a while now, and it just does not seem like that genie is going back in the bottle. The Colts and Bucks meet up for a surprisingly low total showdown, at, at least in my opinion, at 43 and a half, Kyle. The, Coy- the, Coy- the Colts Coy- are two and a half point home favorites. <clears throat> Again, it's Tuesday. Is it safe to say no looking back for Jonathan Taylor after he really, really dispatched Zach, Zach Moss to the fantasy dustbin in week 10? Yeah, I mean, as long as we see that usage, which I don't see why we wouldn't, it's like top five RB numbers for Jonathan Taylor. An 89% snap share, 88% carry share, and 79% of the routes. Those are like unsustainably high. Those are like closing in on the best of Christian McCaffrey level numbers. Probably won't be targeted on a per route basis as much as McCaffrey, but overall it looks like he's clearly the guy, not just the guy, the only guy they're going to use in this backfield. And his route rate and his snap share have gone up 
in quite literally every single game he has played this year. Every single game, they give him more snaps, they give him more routes. It's hit a peak in that 100% seems like it's the cap. I've run the numbers. We haven't gotten anything higher. He's pushing for it. Nice. Oh, yeah. I was uh, not texting about uh, Kyle Gibson there. I promise. We can see it in your eyes. We saw the reflection of the Orioles hat. No, I was trying to look up something with Jonathan Taylor and thought you were going to keep talking, but good breakdown there. Denny, Colts receivers, Josh Downs. He's been the wild card here. We don't know if he's healthy. Uh, Targets have been kind of all over the map. This is an amazing matchup for both Michael Pittman and Josh Downs against the the Bucks did not pass funnel in week 10, I believe. They resumed funneling uh, big time in week 11 against Brock Purdy and the 49ers. Uh, how are we feeling with the Indianapolis passing attack in this game? Good, but the the Colts have made a huge effort to be run first uh, of late. The Colts have the fifth lowest pass rate over expected in the red zone. They have the second lowest neutral pass rate since week eight. So they're really trying to establish it with Jonathan Taylor. And this really is- trying to hide Gardner Minshew. As yeah, yeah, that, that too. And, and, and this is a this is matchup just matchup wise this is horrible like the bucks i i i diced it every which way trying to find some some daylight but the bucks are just really good at defending the run and not so good at defending the pass so that that should set up well i think for downs if he can come back apparently he's been struggling with a knee injury since august or july or something i think it was literally so not trying to one up you i think it was since june since june okay <laughs> Uh, yeah, so since mini camp of his right. sophomore year in high school, actually, is when they first traced back the end. So it'd be cool if he could run full complement of, of uh routes here because the the Bucks are not not only are they bad in the secondary, they're particularly bad against the slot where he operates from. Uh, Michael Pittman, you asked about Pittman, I'll give you some numbers about Pittman 35% first read uh target rate this year, that's ninth highest among wide receivers in the NFL. He's second among all receivers in red zone targets, but listen to this, guys. He has only two inside the 10 targets. I don't know what's going on there. He basically, I guess, is either coming off the field or just not really part of the plan inside the 10. Um, it, he doesn't, I don't think that he has a tremendous ceiling. We he's he's not a dog levels receiver. He's not someone you're <laughs> and, like, and, and he's right. not fighting for tough looks. But, but here's what he's getting. Here's what he's getting layups. He's getting the easy stuff. And if he can combine the layups with a, with a long catch or two, won't do it. What well, I don't, I don't mean a, an eighty-yard over the shoulder. I think catch, right? like nine catches, nine yards per game, nine yards per catch. It's like shockingly low. I mean, but it works for fantasy. Does it? it works. Oh, for yeah. fantasy, yeah, obviously. No, uh, for fan, I don't, I don't care about the Colts. I just, I'm just <laughs> <saying>. <laughs> I, it, it definitely works for fantasy. So, uh, the, the, this should be, this should be a, a situation where Minshew drops back quite a bit. Um, but I, I can't get it out of my head that the Colts are just trying to be super run heavy. Yeah, and we'll see what happens. It is something's got to give in this matchup because the Bucks stamp out the run and do not stamp out the pass. Kyle, is it wide receiver three Dunzo for Chris Godwin? He's not bottoming out. There's no ceiling week after week after week. It's five catches for like 45 yards, six catches for 61 yards, no upside whatsoever. Are we getting him outside the top 36 at receiver? Yeah, on the course of the season, I said this last week, but his expected fantasy points looks wide receiver three adjacent. It's right inside the wide receiver three range, and he's been performing under expectation, so he hasn't quite gotten there. 
But if you look just the first half of the season versus the second half, he has gotten significantly worse in every metric, both volume and efficiency. His yards per route run has dropped by right around one. His yards after the catch has plummeted. He's also earning fewer targets as a percent of the team's throws and the air yard share is down. So he's earning the ball less. He's doing less on a per catch basis in terms of yards after the catch, but he's also worse in yards per route run by a wide margin. Like we talked about early in the year, he seems like he's sort of already on the decline. And then the first half through 11 weeks for second half splits make it look even worse. Like I think he's just trending towards done. Yeah. This has the classic has not been the same since that injury. And when you're, it hasn't been the same also since the greatest player in league history left and Tom Brady yeah. that also hurt for Chris Godwin. And just, he, he's going to – it's sad. He's going to go down as a fantasy what might have been. He could have been an all-time great, like, PPR-type player. Yeah. And just, just too, too, too many injuries. In a game fraught with meaning for the AFC South, the chugging Jacksonville Jaguars visit the surging Houston Texans as roughly one-point favorites, Kyle. Fantasy managers finally got the Calvin Ridley blowup outing they were waiting for. Any reason expected to be a theme going forward? If we found anything new in the data, you and I talked about this in our chat. Danny and I talked about on the podcast – What's the latest in the hourly blow by blow in Calvin Ridley and please God keeping it up. So the, I'll start with the bag to get better. Uh, the bad news is he still played almost exclusively on the outside. His, his slot reps didn't really change much. And his a dot was like, I think within a yard identical to what it's been throughout his, his season to date. So playing on the outside, running the same depth of routes, I will say the good news is that when Zay Jones plays, uh, defenses definitely treat Calvin Ridley differently, and it allows the team to still use him slightly differently. His rate of double teams is like halved in two full games with Zay Mm -hmm. Jones. His rate of press coverage falls down. And to his credit, he also just destroyed bad cornerbacks versus the Titans. Nothing to do with his usage. He just played one of his better games. He went from week three, I believe it's week three, to week eight or nine, getting 10 contested catch targets, did not catch a single one of them. <laughs> o of 10 on contested catches. He got both of them for nearly 50 yards in week 11. Like he just played better to some degree. Defense has also treated him differently or the defense mm-hmm. also treated him differently. So I think there's a combination of both going on. Like if he plays better, he's going to pr- produce better. But also when there's more for defenses to focus on, it's going to be easier for him to play better. And this looks like a shootout. This looks like one of the really probably one of the best games of the week. So I'd say even if he doesn't quite get that same treatment versus the Texans defense, the overall scoring environment is wide receiver two worthy for Ridley. Also, don't be surprised if he goes two for 10 and no touchdown. It's true, but you find I had been waiting for a stat, like, like actual hard data that he right. was defended differently with Zay Jones in the game. And he was for your stats. Yeah, no, that, that's great, Kyle. I, I was looking for that, like press. So, so less press and, and fewer double teams and, I don't think at this stage in his career he he can beat that sort of coverage. So that, yeah, that's good. No. He can really never could. That's why just, they got to move him around. He's a tactician. Like get he's him not a big around. dude. He's sub two hundred, I think. Yeah, and uh, I was also sub two hundred after he lost that bet. Am I right? <laughs> uh, no, I am not right. I am being informed. Uh, Denny, what's going on with the Texans pass catchers? I feel like this is a weekly theme for the show. Like we don't know who's playing. Noah Brown seems like he might be out right now. When they're all playing and healthy, it seems like for some reason they phase out, tank out, not phase out, but ramp him down, even though he seems to be clearly the best playmaker in this receiver group, better than Nico Collins even. Uh, any trends, anything interesting to highlight with these Texans receivers? Yeah, I mean, it, it really 
uh, Noah Brown's status matters a lot here. Um, I will tell you that Nico Collins led the team with 11 targets uh, in week 11 against the Cardinals. It didn't result in much, only seven catches for 65 yards, uh, no, no touchdowns. Uh, look, I, he he had a 27% target share. I'm sorry, air yard share, which is solid. But until you consider Tank Dell, saw a 42% air yard share. I, I, I do think we're beginning to see major separation between Tank Dell and Nico Collins. And I hope it keeps up because I have no Nico Collins and I have a lot of Tank Dell. Um, <laughs> but I will say that, that, you know, for one reason or another, Noah Brown matters a lot in this offense. And uh, I'm not sure that Tank Dell seeing a 40 plus percent air yard share if Noah Brown is in there because Noah Brown is seeing some, some deep shots, making some long catches. Um, you know, you're starting both. I, I I do think that that Nico Collins could could be the like the the odd man out to Tank Dell and maybe even Noah Brown because uh, first of all, they're still run heavy or balanced. Like the te- the Texans are not just ripping it; they're not just airing it out. I, it, I, if you look at the like the raw dropbacks or whatever for Stroud, they look fine, but the, this team is being conservative. So. I do think that in a situation where they can be conservative, not all these guys are going to get home for fantasy. Danny, for some reason when you were talking, I just couldn't stop thinking about, you know, the Bryce Young, CJ Stroud debate about, well, Bryce has no supporting cast. And then like all year, that's just been assuming that like CJ Stroud, like Nico Collins had like ever been good before CJ Stroud arrived. <laughs> Look, if, if, if Bryce Young, yeah, right. If Bryce Young were on the Texans, You'd say, oh, he well, he doesn't have anybody to throw to. He has Nico Collins. He has Tank Dell. Who's Tank Dell? But we digress. Kyle, the Devin Singletary backfield takeover is still moving forward. Even Damian Pierce comes back this week. He didn't seem particularly close to returning last week. Yeah, that was kind of my takeaway from last week's practices as well, that I don't know if he'll be back. But, like, he's just been straight up better this year, especially in recent games. He's been really good in recent games than Damian Pierce has. He has nine carries. or Devin Singletary has nine carries of 10-plus yards in the past two weeks alone, that is more than Damian Pierce has all year. Damian Pierce has been like a better, more elusive tackle breaker, but he doesn't have the next gear to actually do anything with those broken tackles. Kind of like the Najee Harris story. Like Harris is big and hard to bring down and he breaks a lot of tackles. Then he gains one extra yard after that. Pierce is better than that, but it does sort of allude to the fact that the broken tackle itself is not the goal of the carry. It's the long carries (laughs) and he doesn't get the long carries. Whereas Devin Singletary pretty much isn't breaking tackles. I mean, he's not breaking tackles the rate Damian Pierce is. We don't care if he's breaking off long runs. So I still, I think he would, I think he's earned the right to start. We'll see how stubborn this team is, but it, it may not matter. Like you said, we may not have Pierce back this week. They've been, they were stubborn to begin the year. They've been adaptable of late. So there is hope there in that Texans backfield. The Chiefs are surprisingly heavy nine point road favorites, at least in my opinion, it's surprising <clears throat> against the fighting Antonio Pierce's Denny. We just saw them hang tough with the Dolphins on the road. What shape, has this post Jimmy Garoppolo Vegas offense taken uh, three games now kind of strange, two really bad teams they face in the giants and jets and then one really good team mm-hmm. in the dolphins and now another really good team in the chiefs. So hard to know what, what is because of matchups and what is just because right. of vision, but what is this offense looking like without Josh McDaniels? Yeah, it's been a little bit up and down. Uh, Aiden O'Connell since Aiden O'Connell took over, uh, they've had two games where they were 9% under their expected dropback rate. And then against the Dolphins, they were 9% over their expected dropback rate. So that was that was a little, little surprising. 
Um, I think the main point is that Josh Jacobs is going to continue to see a lot of volume and Devonte Adams is once again, the unquestioned alpha. He has a 50% air yard share. Unbelievable. Uh, with Aiden O'Connell under center and a 33% target share. Um, I, you know, you felt horrible about starting uh, Devontae Adams for most of the season. I think you can feel feel pretty good, especially when they're going to have to chase points like they are they, in Week 12. Uh, Kyle, I wrote this on Monday, so a.k.a. before the Chiefs and Eagles played, ah. and I just, I just wrote, Kyle, break down Chiefs' Monday night football performance. And, brother, uh, shut out in the second half for the third straight game. Wow. Second, fewest second-half points in the entire league per ESPN during the broadcast. I did like a triple take at that stat. It My guess of- maybe on that, it's that the same reason Mahomes has no fourth quarter comebacks this year. Obviously, you'd still like them to put up points in the second half, but maybe that's related to the fact that Mahomes, Mahomes, Lamar, Purdy, and Dak Prescott all have no fourth quarter comebacks. <clears throat> they don't let teams get close to them. True, but they do. But man, do please put up some points in the second, in the second half. half. You don't need to do zero. You don't need to yeah. do zero, man. It wasn't Mahomes' fault. I mean, he hit. MVS for like what a 218 yard touchdown and he just oh, dropped it. God, and then he, on that fourth down play, he hit he threw it right Watson, at just right in Justin the Watson like batted it down like he was breaking up a Hail Mary. He's like, get yeah. out of here. Brutal. Pat Mahomes like, what? Like, maybe just catch it. It was it was actually it was an unbelievable throw. Like that 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 it should have been caught I mean, like they had no business converting that first down. None. It is like the sole objective. You could see it. It's the most hilarious looking screenshot of like, let's line up eight guys on that first down line for the Eagles defense. And somehow Mahomes, I believe he escaped pressure on that one, still gets it to a guy dead center in his hands. Oh my god, dude. Yeah, Playing I, with the plumbers has not say, worked the past few games. Uh when I saw it was MVS. The second I saw it was MBS as the target on that deep ball, and it, it was it was Jover. There's there was, was no there was no way he was going to come down with that ball. Just none. That's not the kind of ball that MBS has ever caught in his life. Not even kidding. He catches that ball like one out of every three or four times. Yeah, which is just stunning. One out of every three or four of those for, where for he, a deep outside speedster, you would think that maybe need that number to be more like eighty to ninety percent. Oh, yeah, and in the in the in the press conference after the game, Mahomes actually said something like, "Like maybe I let him a little too much." <laughs> God bless you, you adorable sweetheart man. Because so many like Brady, Brady cuts gets that guy cut before the press he does. conference. He does. Yep, and he's right. The team gets better then instantly once you can it cut. Would. Yeah. But I don't know anything to say. Any anyway, takeaways? No, I mean, that's basically it. Takeaways yeah. be angry about how this team has managed their receiver room. Not only the spending on the receiver room, like I get going back to why they traded Tyreek Hill is going to be very expensive. And Mahomes clearly, I mean, like this game aside, they're still what, like seven and three or whatever. So, like, clearly he can make do with these guys. But then investing in, like, dude, spend a first round pick on one of these receivers, please, God. It's just frustrating for someone watching the best quarterback in my lifetime have to throw to MVS. So not only is it frustrating to see their spend or lack thereof on receiver, but then in-game management, we've had Rasheed Rice's route rate drop in three consecutive weeks. They are preventing him from hitting the rookie wall or some nonsense. And in turn, that has meant Justin Watson is getting more and more and more routes. He has over 40% of the team's air yards over Mm. the past two weeks. Half of the yards that move past the line of scrimmage, just shy of half, move to Justin Watson. 
And the worst part is that means I have to think about starting him from a fantasy perspective. Like, no, you don't. Yeah. Thank God. You know, what are you Deal. Uh, I, I actually read before we went on the show that Tyreek Hill is having a billboard put up in Kansas City saying, miss me yet. Yes, and it's total excuse making. But when I was watching this game, I was like, man, this salary cap system makes it impossible yeah. to pair an elite QB with an elite wire. It's not totally impossible. Same thing. How come Tom Brady never has a good receiver? Like, why does Aaron Rodgers have one good receiver ever? And it's just so hard. And this is the Chiefs have prioritized their defense and it's working. Yeah, had, had they spent all that money on Hill, it would have left their defense completely barren or it would have prevented them from boosting the offensive line. So that's a good point that just like, the, the the money manipulation that the league has does sort of prevent us from seeing like a great pairing that I, lasts a long time. I want the Kansas City defense to be bad again. I know that's the worst part. It'd be great if they were bad. <laughs> Please be bad again. Everyone liked it better that way, including your fans. And you still won the Super Bowl. Who cares? Yeah. Who? Why? Why'd you do this? Why did you do this? Suddenly, two of the more entertaining teams in the league, the Bears and Vikings, square off in Minnesota. I don't know if the Vikings are actually entertaining. The Vikings getting three or four points at home. Kyle, is some of the bloom off this Josh Dobbs rose, or can he revive after a shaky Week Eleven? Against the surging Denver Broncos. Yeah, I mean, front to back for the season, he hasn't been elite, but I don't think that was obviously never the expectation. The expectation was never that he would start, so let alone be elite. But on the year, he is twenty. Uh, he is 24th, I believe, in EPA per play. Oh, he's somewhere between 24th and 27th. EPA, CPOE, PFF passing, sitting around low-end starter level, but he has been better since joining the Minnesota Vikings. And most importantly, from a fantasy perspective, don't care too much how his passing looks because another eight carries, 21 yards, and a touchdown last week. As long as he keeps doing the rushing stuff, passing be damned, you can pretty much bank on him to fall somewhere in the top 15. If the passing doesn't come together, that's how he gets to about 15. But he's running, I mean, as much as any quarterback in the NFL is. So for fantasy purposes, passing can go either way. We'll take it. We'll leave it. Dobbs has at least six rushing attempts in six straight games. Danny, you mentioned Josh Jobs rushing attempts. The Vikings backfield. Ty Chandler is officially involved. Alexander Madison, though, I think was over 20 touches in week 11 against the Broncos. We were kind of begging for more Ty Chandler, but Alexander Madison still holding his own. Anything interesting, anything to cling to in this Vikings backfield? Any reason to believe Alexander Madison won't be the 1A? Will this increase Ty Chandler usage keep up? What do you think? Uh, look, yeah, Madison uh, against Denver had 18 carries and actually did something with them, which is weird. But also the Denver Denver rush defense is not good. Uh, Chandler saw 10 carries. He, his biggest run was oh, that fake, what was it, fake punt, right? Hmm. He took that for like 25 yards. So, you know, I don't know. I don't know if you if that's sustainable. But, uh, you know, his, his I don't numbers, know if 20 his, yard fake punt carries are right. sustainable. We're looking into it, of course, running the regressions, but we'll see. It was also uh, 30 yards, by the way. Yeah. Oh, wow. Ooh. And but, and then the, 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 the pass catching work, uh, Madison ran 20 routes against the Broncos to only seven for Ty Chandler, but Ty Chandler saw four targets on seven routes. So, you know, possibly. You know, because Ty Chandler is a, is a good pass catching back. So possibly that is the plan. Like, okay, he's not going to be out there running 100 routes, but we are going to like scheme up some stuff for him. I, I, Chandler, I, I, I suppose is like, a, is like a deep league flex. Like if you have like multiple flex spots, you, you could do worse than throw him in there. But Madison is clearly the lead back headed into week 12. 
And unfortunately, that's where I arrived with Chandler. He's like on that RB3-4 borderline, a.k.a. like a second flex. And you uh, you would like to see the role grow, but Alexander Madison is, to his credit, holding on. He's doing a good job holding on and making it difficult to take touches away from him. Uh, we already talked about Justin Fields in the Monday podcast. Any of you have any quick thoughts on the Bears offense with Justin Fields back? Uh, it's another. The Vikings have played a lot better defense the past like two months, but not like a shutdown unit. Any thoughts on this Bears offense? No, nope. yeah, they're they're sort of Eagles esque, and we know exactly what's going to happen. Especially now that we saw them come back, use uh, DJ Moore like he's been used all season. Use Justin Fields in an optimal way, which is to design runs for him. But also, he did his own part in when he was scrambling. He kept his eyes downfield. I thought it was like I like I test a pretty good return for him. So they're a relatively predictable team. Like they might be volatile, but we know where the ball is attempting to go in, in terms of DJ Moore, Ben Colcomet, then why bother? Don't really worry about the rest. And Khalil Herbert probably in the backfield, maybe more exclusively with Deonta Foreman, I would say unlikely to play. The uh, Evers- the, oh, you I'm really it? sorry, Pat, but uh, I just want to mention, I mean, DJ Moore, crazy metrics, 55% air yards, 40% targets last week with fields back. I was working pretty hard to get him in the top 12. I think I'm having like the wide receiver 14 right now, but he, I think he is for real with Justin Fields, both before and yeah. after the injury. It's a real thing. The ever spiraling Los Angeles Chargers host the Ravens as roughly four point home underdogs. Denny, how do we expect targets to shake out in this Ravens offense with Mark Andrews out for mm-hmm. the season? Oh, now they're acting like he might come back, but whatever. He's out no. for the season. I know. And people are very excited about Isaiah Likely. I'm not so sure. Odell Beckham had a blow-up game. Zay Flowers never does anything useful. He scored a 60-yard touchdown that didn't count. Uh, what do you think is going to happen without yeah. Mark Andrews in this Ravens skill court? Yeah, so, yeah, I, you know, the Ravens were doing so well in not messing with us with the Andrews injury. Like, they were very straightforward. Like, yeah, <laughs> horrible injury, so he's out. But then, like, we, you know, eight days later, they're like, no, 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 actually, it was a, it's a good injury. He'll be fine. Yeah, and he's not. No, um, so my, my, my guess is it's like, uh, hey, if we make a Super Bowl run, we'll roll them out a week before. Yeah, sure. It'll be questionable for the Super Bowl. And then yeah, not it, exactly. Uh, yeah. So Isaiah likely is it must be picked up. She probably should be started in 12 team leagues. But but I mean, probably, probably. But he's he's not he should be picked up for sure. His his targets per route run is way down this year. Um uh, he's not seeing a whole lot of action, but still, I mean, just the, from an efficiency standpoint, I don't really know what's going on with him, but it's not good. Uh, Odell Beckham's not running a lot of routes still, uh, but he's being, but his targets per route run, unlike Likely's, is really good, like really high, like one of the highest among receivers over the past month or so. Uh, so I think that you can start him without him getting a, an increase in routes. You know, for, for looking into this game, I was like, okay. Are we going to need more routes for OBJ for this to be a thing? But no, I, I think that his role is stable in this offense as the as the downfield guy. The air yards are looking real good, real solid for OBJ. And 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 you you know you take away all the targets and distribute them all the Mark Andrews targets, and OBJ is going to end up with some. Zay Flowers, just real quick. I mean, it has not happened for Zay this year. Well, that's Something not fair. Though. That, 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 we wouldn't be talking about that if that phantom holding call. Even yeah. that's one play. I mean, yeah, one play all year. Play. He made a play once. Cool. Uh, <laughs> sorry. <I'm> sorry. <laughs> I feel he's made more than one play this year. Yeah, I'm struggling he... to remember them, to be fair. But. Yeah, I know, but uh, I know. They would have been a lot, a lot nicer had he that touchdown counted and had that holding actually been a hold. But we digress. 
Uh, Kyle Austin Eckler uh, with the slow run heard around the world in week 11. It was hypnotizing. I was mesmerized. Um, do the metrics look much better? The raw box scores don't look good. He's not been uh, efficient as a runner. He's, for some reason, not commanding targets, even though every Chargers pass catcher is injured. What is the state of the Austin Eckler unit? Yeah, as far as a runner, we saw this last year too. Like his pure between the tackles rushing efficiency wasn't great last year. Really hasn't been anything special this year. He's 18th in rush yards over expected, 36 in success rate, 36 in PFF's yards after contact per carry. He's never been the most elite runner between the tackles, but he's been better than this. And it's been going on for two years. I think at this point, we kind of know what he is, where he is capable like he's not dead last by any means any of these metrics he's just not near the top of the league not particularly close he's uh average to maybe slightly below average between the tackles player but he plays an offense we expect to put up points they like to use him in the red zone and i have faith that the targets will come back i know we haven't had like the the 12 target game that we got earlier in the year last year when he was the only guy available to them but he's damn near the only guy available to them at this point so i do think the targets will come back and as long as the team keeps putting up points the touchdowns will be there Pat, for your personal league where you play with the 100-yard bonus, I, I don't know if he's getting 100 yards, though you're, you collect them both rushing and receiving combined, correct? You do. You do. You do. If you didn't, if you say on DraftKings where you need the 100 yards on one specific category, not sure we're getting that anytime soon because he's not really the, the peak of his rushing ability anymore. Yeah, it's yards from scrimmage, thank God. Uh, Keaton Mitchell, seems like he's capped in that 8 to 10 touch range. Uh, is he usable as a flex? probably, but what do you guys think on Keaton Mitchell? I don't have any strong, powerful Keaton Mitchell thoughts. Uh, well, he's, he's basically made, uh, uh, what's his name? Ju- Justice, Justice, Justice Hill. Hill yeah. He's made, he's, he's taken, basically taken his spot in this offense and he can do a whole lot more than Justice Hill can on few on the, on just a few carries, but he's not gonna, he's not going to impinge on the Gus bus at the goal line. And that's mm-hmm. what that's what that's what matters for our purposes. Like, guess I was going to continue owning the analytics geeks. Um, you will. And uh, what can you do about it? But yeah, Keaton Mitchell has a lot of variance. Just to put it mildly, you might get nothing out of him, and you might get one long run. Well, there you yeah, go. Yeah, I think it's it's really tough to bet on that too, because like you said, we're capping him probably like eight to twelve touches, and even if he gets a long run, like unless it gets into the end zone. It's four fantasy points, which isn't that big of a deal. Yeah. So, I mean, last week he had a 5% target share, less than a third of the team's carries. Like, he is a true backup, and we're still seeing some usage for Justice Hill. So, I don't think he's startable, especially with, what, 60 to 70 teams uh, playing this week. So, <laughs> yes. Fantasy football should look into there being a difference between good and bad things, by the way. Or a, a negative one-yard Deontay Johnson catch. Is like as many yard points as like a really rugged like ten yard Derrick Henry run. We should look into that. Uh, I, I don't think we should look into that. Like Anybody, that. real quick, have any thoughts on the Chargers' offense at large? Uh, a lot of injuries, a lot of drops, a lot of sadness. Really tough matchup in the Ravens. Donald Parham ran about sixty five percent of the routes, I believe. Had a fifteen percent target share. Uh, that's pretty good. He wasn't out there for every route, and I know we got. Uh, we got stolen from with the stone smart long touchdown, but it was clear Parham was their number one tight end. Uh, he's usable. I still, I'm not going to have him ranked tight end one, but we're at the point where like a lot of people lost a lot of usable tight ends. So real quick, Donald Parham or Isaiah likely this week. Oh, uh, likely Den- for me. Okay. Danny Carter. That was quick, Kyle. If, uh, if Everett is out, then Parham. 
Okay, thank God. Yeah, yeah. I'm going Parn. Oh, yeah, yeah. If Everett's out, Kyle. If, no, like- I mean, I no, not. I just meant this is un- Parn's unplayable if Everett's in yeah, the yeah, game. Yeah. No, yes. I just meant this is all under the assumption that Everett doesn't play. I'm still going likely in that scenario. By the way, I tweeted this, so sorry to repeat my joke, but uh, Travis Kelsey had very powerful Gerald Everett energy right. on Monday night. Yeah, it was a it tribute. Was, <laughs> it was a touching, touching tribute to Gerald Everett. <laughs> The streaking Denver Broncos catch the quarterbackless Browns as roughly two and a half point home favorites. Kyle, is it accurate to say Javante Williams lost every down duties in Week Eleven? You're going to tell me it's inaccurate because you, you're going to say he never had them to begin with. You were teaching me good on the Monday night chat we had. Yeah, you got it. Next question. Go ahead, Danny. No, still my whole thing. <laughs> yeah, I mean you did sum it up quite well. Is that throughout the year he is, especially as we got later in the season pretty much got an entire stranglehold on the carries. They don't give the ball to anyone else on the ground, but they're not using him as their primary passing downs back. They still target him on early downs, but in a game that looks more like it did last week, you're in more of the two-minute drill type of situations, and he does not play those. So he was always like a 2.2 down back, and they just didn't have as much of those early downs in normal situations. I'm still, as Denver, two-and-a-half-point favorites at home, even though Cleveland defense is very strong. I'm going to take home favorites with a lot of carries for Javante as an RB2. This is a strange line in game. I don't know how what I would establish this line. The Broncos should be favorites. By the way, I, there used to be years where you'd see one or two sub-40 totals a month. <clears throat> now We get like four or five sub-40 totals a week now. Yeah. I mean, this but, year, I'm oh. going to chuck it up to the quarterback play or lack thereof. This is like... Was, I think there was a year where like Drew Brees, Tony Romo, and someone else got hurt all in the same year. This is like as bad as it's been since then. Probably worse, honestly. Uh, Denny, how grisly are the DTR details? Oh. Was he good? Terrible? He was apparently concerning enough that they signed Joe Flacco. Uh, you, you feel good. Saying? You feel good for the young man um, because yeah. they won. Yes. But oh, wow. Um, adjusted yards per attempt, 2.79 against the Steelers. Uh, when he was kept clean, guys. So this is just giving him the benefit of the doubt. Kept clean in the pocket. Uh, 4.2 yards per attempt. That's like a carry. It's like a, it's similar to a carry. <laughs> it, is, it is so, so bad. Uh, it, it's so good for Njoku, by the way. So good. It like is. Njoku wow. is like peak PPR scam right now with DTR. I, I don't I don't really foresee DTR being able to hang on to this job for the rest of the season, but it makes this environment against the Broncos so ugly. Um, I I wouldn't blame folks for looking elsewhere, you know, looking for a reasonable replacement for like Amari Cooper. Ooh, that's I, tough to hear. I know, I know, I know. Yep. It's not good. Tough to hear, Denny. It is. I know. I don't know. I feel maybe I'm being dramatic here, but it, it, it's you just it's, did very dramatically like, get into the camera. I'm I'm telling you, it's over. <laughs> it's over. <laughs> Yikes. Uh, that's a shame. But yeah, they signed Joe Flacco. They seem very concerned. We are very concerned. I would take the under on 35. I don't know if the game yeah. total will probably come down. Yeah. I do not bet. Do not take my advice. The fighting. Danny DeVito's host, the bottomed out New England Patriots, as three-point Jersey favorites, Denny Carter. Wait, yeah, no, the game's in New Jersey. There's a lot to unpack from Tommy DeVito's Week 11 performance against the Commanders' awful defense. Is this a, is, was that solid play in any way sustainable, or should we focus more on the nine-and-a-half sacks? It's this – look, this is – it's wild, but 
the Giants were actually really aggressive against Washington. Maybe, maybe they've just had enough of like of like being everybody's whipping boy. Uh, they were 15% over their expected drop back rate against Washington. That's that's unimaginable for this for this team. Uh, <laughs> his uh, da- uh, uh, Danny DeVito, Tommy DeVito's A dot. We've jumped- gotten everyone on this show now. We've got us all. <laughs> I know. His, so his A dot jumped from around seven to almost ten in Week 11 against the Commanders. When he was kept clean in the pocket, his adjusted completion rate was 74%, and he averaged seven yards per attempt. So we got, I think we got something going with him. Um, and and by the way, the 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 Patriots are 20th in uh, pressure rate. So he should he should have a pretty clean pocket this week. Danny, I think you hit on something there. Just by the way, where when you have your backup quarterback, maybe just don't run out the surrender cobra and never attempt to do anything. Yeah. Like never yeah. throw the ball. Like, this guy is on an NFL roster. I mean, he, I'm sure he can throw the ball 40 yards. Maybe just like let him try it. Like, because this tendency to just, uh, well, we can't turn the ball over. Like, uh, okay, well, congratulations then on losing 24 to three. It's like, as wow. long as, as long as you uh, don't consider punts a turnover, despite them turning the ball over to the other team, <laughs> you can prevent turnovers. But like, that's really how you should conceive of them. You, right. No, you gotta, you gotta introduce variance. If you are a heavy underdog, yes. if you, if you are a, bad team with a questionable quarterback you gotta make it weird and i think maybe maybe the giants got that message last week they can carry it over into this week good luck to the young man against bill belichick uh, kyle it is tuesday and we do not know the patriots quarterback we do know it doesn't really matter right there hasn't been much difference between bailey zappy and mac jones things in the past i mean i guess mac jones is better but what do we even say about this patriots <laughs> offense yeah, I mean, the one thing that uh, Bailey Zappi has going for him is I think he looks like a better deep ball thrower. He's had a few misses, only misses really on deep balls this year, but he was pretty solid at it last year and something Mac Jones has never done. In the end, you're taking some, leaving some with like, oh, he's a better deep ball thrower. He makes more mistakes. Mac Jones also makes a lot of mistakes. They're both very bad. Like you said, I will say on their careers, uh, or at least over the past two years, that is uh, Bailey Zappi actually is better in CPOE. He's better in EPA. They're both bad, but... There's maybe some deep ball juice. What do you do with that, though? Like, you're not playing Devontae Parker. so <laughs> And Demario Douglas isn't really a deep ball guy. So maybe we go out and see a 55% air yard share for Devontae Parker this week. And then, what, teams go back on by one more time next week. Maybe then he jumps into, like, wide receiver four territory. But, like, don't worry about it. Don't, don't stress yourself out with these decisions. A 33-and-a-half game total currently for Patriots-Giants. Really, really good stuff. Uh, not the final game of the week. The final game of the week is the collapsing Tennessee Titans. It's roughly three and a half point home favorites against the league's worst squad, Kyle, the Carolina Panthers. Is Will Levis crashing to the point that we can no longer trust Derrick Henry and DeAndre Hopkins in fantasy? Or is he keeping those boats afloat, say, as a top 20 running back, a top 24 receiver? I think I'll make an exception for them this week because the Panthers are the worst team in football. They can't sustain their drives. They give the ball back to their opponents in advantageous positions. And that's that's good for the offense, for the opposing offense. Will they do anything with it? It's difficult to say because Will Levis hasn't been particularly good. I think, I don't know who they play in one week. They'll Whoever they play, they'll be better than the Panthers. My, my safe bet is that they they'll will. be better than the Panthers. Yeah. <laughs> that's a spot where like, you could convince me I'll have Derrick Henry ranked as the RB22. He is purely a two-down back who isn't breaking long runs at the clip he used to behind a horrific offensive line and with not like a quarterback that doesn't strike fear into the hearts of opponents. So this week is the exception to the rule. I think going forward, 
He'll probably rank RB2, but outside the top 18, depending on the matchup, could push as low as 22-23. DeAndre Hopkins is still the focal point of the passing attack. 31% of the targets last week, 44% of the air yards. He hasn't had below a 39%. His air yard shares are hilarious. He has one one game below a 34% air yard share. 34 would be like the highest in the league. I'm going to guess he finishes as the, the air yards champion as a cut of his team's air yards. I guess he kind of falls in the same boat. It's a decent game for the Titans. He's a wide receiver too. Yeah. Uh, by the way, 40% of the Titans air yards is 14 yards. <laughs> so Fair. come on, man. Low blow. No, he's, he's right. He's right. By the way, they get the Colts next week. So I mean, they can actually get some momentum these next two weeks. Okay. Then, they, then this is not a joke. In week 14, the Titans play the Dolphins on Monday Night Football. Ew. Uh, ESPN is uh, announcing – that they are now solely direct to consumer. They can't make any bad money. <laughs> game. Um, no, we love ESPN. We love our friends at ESPN. We actually do. Please don't go away. Uh, I'm, I'm not even saying that sarcastically. Please, we want cable to survive. Uh, Denny, what changed for the Panthers with Frank Reich back at the play calling controls? Uh, a lot of targets for Adam Thielen. Miles Sanders back involved. That was my uneducated uh, look at what changed when I watched this game. What does the data say changed? Uh, all right, here it goes. Uh, we're back to establishing it. Uh, my 11% under their expected drop back rating against the Cowboys. That's way, way different than the past three weeks with Thomas Brown calling plays. Um, Bryce Young continues to sort of sack himself. A lot of, a lot of self-inflicted mistakes. Um, lots of checkdowns. The Thielen thing apparently depends on the kind of coverage that the other team plays. If they're playing man coverage, then Thielen's going to see all the targets. If they're playing zone coverage, then Thielen is basically unplayable in fantasy. What is it this week? <laughs> it's a little of both. <laughs> it's a little of both. <laughs> Exciting. It's hard to say. Okay. It's hard to say, really. Uh, so, I mean, you probably have to start him anyway. But, yeah. I mean, it's so, like, this is this is bottom, bottom barrel type offense, offensive football that you're going to see in Carolina. <laughs> Just that. There's just not much there. You can't start either running back. You can't, I mean, gosh, you can't even start like Tommy Tremble with the other guy out, with Aiden Hurst out. I said you, I was going to just yeah, say, do you, yeah. I wonder if Denny remembers the other guy. Let's see if he does. Aiden Hurst, yeah. yeah. I mean, yeah, I mean, like, I know, I know he got away with it with the touchdown. Not mad about that at all. But, uh, but, uh, you know, but, but uh, yeah, so uh, there's just, there's just not much. Jonathan Mingo, Seeing some air yards, but wow, it's not happening. He's uh, on that Denzel Mims in the NFL versus uh, fantasy points over expected. He's the least, uh, <laughs> the most negative. Yes, right. And th- th- okay, this is the difference. The Stroud Young thing. If Jonathan Mingo was on the Texans, he'd be cooking. Okay? He and and he'd be well. If Bryce Young doesn't have Jonathan Mingo, if he had Jonathan Mingo, he'd be good. <laughs> that's, that's so true. It's so true. <laughs> By the way, I was about to say. I was getting my Titans reserve receivers mixed up. It's Terrace Marshall's in the Denzel Mims career trajectory. Oh, you can't even get on yeah. the field. Um, but yeah, Jonathan Mingo would be totally cooking with CJ Stroud. You are he totally, would be. You're correct. Um, wow, what a depressing team. Well, we oh, should never great. end on a game like that, but we did. I mean, unfortunately, the, they're all like that. This, yeah, this team. <laughs> this, wow. <laughs> this team. This team is in a is in a dark place because Reich's done, obviously. Whoever man, that guy just resign, man. Like, who, who, yeah. <laughs> so whoever whoever gets the job next, they're also done. Yeah, or like whoever gets it, it doesn't matter who they hire. He's he's the person's finished. 
after Tepper has like got a, it's impossible. I, I actually understand being a hands-on owner. You spend like a billion dollars on a team. You're not going to just like leave it to all these other, but like, man, you got to do it. <laughs> like David Tepper has ruined his investment yeah, because he can't stop. Oh, we got to take Bryce Young. And every, all the football guys, are, are you sure? They ask him like every day for four months. Are you sure? David? Because yeah. there's this kid, CJ. Yeah. yeah. And uh, I understand wanting to be a hands-on owner, but boy, did you screw the pooch on that one. Yes. And a lot of other things that you've done also. But uh, we're done. The show uh, under an hour and 20 minutes today. I'll probably take it over an hour and 20 by talking here aimlessly Five, for 50 four. seconds. Yeah. <laughs> um, but yeah, regression files. Danny, when are the regression files coming out this week? Wednesday morning. And then my past run funnel piece will be up on Friday. So that's going weekly now, huh? Yeah, we've decided to make it weekly. We have decided to make it weekly. Kyle Stardom Sidham, I hear, is on Friday this week as well. I might drop I'll drop it uh, Thursday morning. Thanksgiving so, day. come out before Thanksgiving games, yep. The rankings are dropping Wednesday evening, so you can get a jump on your Thanksgiving Day lineup decisions. Keep it locked to Roto World. A lot of injury stuff. Keep it locked even on Thanksgiving Day. Uh, stinks for us, but we will be working. We'll be writing up the games. You need something to do while you're around the house, check it out. We'll still be churning out news. Um, so for Denny, for Kyle, I'm Pat. Thank you so much for listening. Have a happy Thanksgiving, and we'll be back this weekend. You don't need a lot of money to do more with it. Join Padma Lakshmi, Viola Davis, and Fidelity's Women Talk Money team during our free Women's History Month series as we get real about ways you can start planning and saving for the future you want so you can feel good about your money every step of the way. Save your seat today at fidelity.com slash WHM. Investing involves risk, including risk of loss. Fidelity Brokerage Services, member NYSE, SIPC. The living room is where you make life's most beautiful memories. But your sofa shouldn't be the one remembering them. The new life-resistant, high-performance furniture collection from Ashley is designed to withstand all the spills, slip-ups, and muddy paws that come with the best parts of life. Ashley high-performance sofas and recliners are soft, on-trend, and easy to clean. Shop the high-performance furniture in-store or online at ashley.com. Ashley, for the love of home.